0: Welcome to That Shit Show, a podcast about overcoming trauma. I'm Emma Castle. Thanks for joining me today. Today, we welcome to the show Jack Taylor, a journalist and editor with a resume as long as your arm. She is extremely accomplished professionally, but behind the scenes, Jack has suffered some major traumas in the last few years. And today she shares that story. Welcome to the show, Jack.
1: I'm so glad we can speak freely
0: about these things. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, think it helps. Really I think well. it really helps. <laughs> Sorry, oh, tell honey, me what what's honey. been going on?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. Look, where do you want me to start? I mean, you're you're talking about trauma, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. You're talking about various look, I um I have had a, a bit of a roller coaster but you know for, for quite a few years now see before I was a, a travel editor um, and a travel writer I was in travel TV and TV is a really great way to gain a personality disorder if you don't already have one it's um, yeah it's it's horrifying <laughs> I mean I'm in Facebook groups of um, particularly women in TV and it's basically a big uh, you know, group therapy session. It's, um, yeah,
0: quite a traumatic industry. Why is that? What is it about TV specifically that makes it so hard?
1: I think it's the old attitude of, you know, if you won't do this, then there are 30 other people waiting to take your job kind of deals. You know, I've always had a fairly sought after job, which sounds great, except when you're taken advantage of. And I think that's fairly widespread. Um, in TV, um, for example, I was in a show um, where to kind of prove my worth, I had to do two jobs. I, I did the job as a researcher and also as a producer. Um, just, I don't know whether it was to wear me down or because they were—I don't think it was because they were cheap. Because you know, maybe I was on the wrong side of some political divide. I'll never know. But I was doing two jobs until I—I um, I ended up with um, diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and um, ended up actually having what they called a neural seizure and had to go and get MRIs and the whole bit because I couldn't feel one side of my body. And, you know, it's amazing how that level of stress becomes a physical reaction. So I was, I was the first of, I don't know, a, a whole bunch of people, I think up to 10 people who left in a month. Um, yeah, quite similarly. Yeah, yeah. And a few cases
0: PTSD amongst us. That's insane. Like, because you always think of PTSD as something that happens to ex military and, you know, lots of people in um, first responder roles and, you know, domestic violence and things like that. But you kind of don't necessarily associate it with workplaces. But did other people, those other 10 people that left, had they also been similarly diagnosed or? Uh, Yeah, I think um, a a few of them, not all of them, you
1: know, but a lot of people left um, and I think there were a few other PTSD um, diagnoses. But we used to do things like because in a a TV TV station um, there's a lot of cameras so we used to end up meeting in the, the tape library for hugs, for just hugs. (laughs)
0: wow and so it was a place without any cameras you know and wow it's just a little bit like big brother but um you know as in lots of cameras like watching you all the time so what happened after you left that job like how did you sort of find your way back to obviously you're still in a really stressful job but how did you find your way back to sort of being able to work again or um just feeling okay about the world
1: well, I went completely freelance, which, you know, I, I know it's very, well, it's particularly stressful in these times where, you know, the, the self-employed amongst us, you know, as the whole world is getting coronavirus, you know, it's, it's going to be a very stressful time of a different type. Um, but it was, at least I was calling the shots um, and, um, and that made a really big difference. And I got a new TV show client who was so lovely. Um and they were like family, you know, and I worked with them for, for six years and they were yeah. absolute family. It was um yeah. Yeah, I, I can't I can't understate the value of, you know, a good workplace after a bad one, you
0: know. Yeah. So did you have that feeling of just ultra gratitude you know when you've gone from one really bad job and then you finally find a good one and you just feel so grateful it's like there's like this really intense honeymoon period where you're like I can't believe people are actually like this and I also can't believe I put up with that shit
1: for so long it really is it's very much like coming out of a bad relationship which is well I've just come out of a relationship as well lately and um, and funnily enough it, it's they're very similar feelings you know first of all, you think, how did I put up with that? How did I go through that, and how was that my normal my new normal, you know, like how was that my every day? And I thought that was a normal way to live, you know, and now I, um, I split from a, a long-term relationship um, just in November. And so it's still quite raw because it was a, a nine-year relationship and it's quite similar where you think how, how did that end up being normal, you know, now that I'm by myself and now that I'm calling the shots, how did I think that some of those things were okay? Yeah. <laughs>
0: And is it gradual? Like, is it a gradual thing where you start off like, you know, like in a glamorous job or in a new relationship where you're like in love, you're in love with this new thing. And then over time there's like kind of gradual, it's a gradual process or are there points at which you can kind of identify like, okay, that's where something went, started to go downhill or that's when I started to feel differently or like with you, both with your former job, but also with your relationship, were there points at which you started, to think I don't know about this but I you know I'm in too deep or I you know you start to believe that no you will never get another job this good or you will never find a partner this good again like do you
1: yeah, ever have you those kind of, focus on the good bits you know and I'm, I'm deep down I'm actually you know I my, my little teenage goth past would hate this but I'm actually quite a positive person you know like I, I look for the positives and the reason why I'm good at the job that I do is I can turn up at any location and I can find the good in it you know where somebody else might say this is a really shit restaurant I'll go yeah but the the desserts are great you know <laughs> yeah I'm, I understand well, yeah, unfortunately that's kind of worked against me is that I can always kind of find a sunny side and think well you know but this is a good bit and actually you just keep getting worn down until you can't get any further but um I mean funnily enough coming out of it um dealing with trauma I was I was really interested that you're looking at this because coming out of this very long relationship and, and one that has born a child. So unfortunately one way or the other we're, you know, we're joined for life, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, the the way that I found myself coping was throwing myself into work, um, you know, not letting myself be alone for a moment, taking on much bigger, much harder work challenges than I ever could have taken on before you know that especially um a new editor role that I kind of I probably wouldn't have gone for while I was in a relationship because I think I would have felt I couldn't have given my all to the relationship and also have such
0: a demanding job if that makes sense okay so it's sort of I I do completely understand that but do you think that like are you heading in the direction of becoming a workaholic to cope? (laughs) To fill the the hole? Because uh, when someone leaves your life, it's a, it leaves a big hole, you know, like, and there's a lot of hours there that you would normally be hanging out with your partner and your kid that now you're like, Oh, what do I do now?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still don't cope very well when, um she when my my child goes to my ex's place, you know, and because I'm just kind of sitting there and then I find that I have work that I can pick up and do. Yeah. You know? okay. So I have something, you know, idle hands.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, well that's true. But work, you know, is there a it's, way it's... of managing the risk of burnout then? Like if you sort of when your daughter goes to your ex, you know, and you're kind of thinking, okay, well I'll do some work. But Are you you kind of, is there some self-care practices in there too that don't revolve around work? Yeah, I think that I have over the last
1: couple of years, I have made self-care such an important part of my life that I actually can't really avoid it for too long. I find myself when I'm really, really hardcore on deadline. You know, I was just sending a magazine, um, last week and, um, and I found myself doing things like not eating for two days and, you know, doing all the old stuff I used to do all the time, you know, and, and not sleeping, just working through the night because it just has to happen and someone has to do it. So I do it, you know, so I sort of had my, my little girl lying in bed next to me while I was working through the night you know, because she didn't want me to go away. So I was on my laptop all through the night, you know, and, and doing all that stuff. But it it was finite, you know, whereas I kind of used to live that way. And um, and I'm just not willing to do that anymore. But I, I, w- I was thinking about it before we, we started. And I do thrive on... I don't know, on on that kind of drama. I don't thrive on emotional drama. I'm not very good at emotional drama at all, but I I thrive on um, the drama of a deadline or, you know, one of my first jobs was in the news studio um, at, um, you know, at a big national news. And it was really exciting, you know, being the director's assistant because you had maybe two or maybe three seconds at most to correct any mistake that you might make. Um, because you're live to air and you're live to air, you know, through the news breaks and then into the news bulletins and so on and so forth. And, um, and I don't know, I, it's so, um, it's such a tangible thing to, um, work towards, you know, it's this, and then it's finite and then it's done. And then you've actually, you've achieved something very, um, definable, you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah.
0: completely so, understand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So the reward really is very, you know, it's it's very definable. You can then have a day of rest, or go shopping, or you know, then you can send off your massive invoice, or you know, like, yeah. um, and I really I thrive on on that. So it's it's interesting as we go into this, um, you know, global disaster zone. You know, this ridiculous. Apocalypse kind of thing that we've defined, you know, it's terrible. Where everyone's, you know, the all the supermarket shelves are empty and all that, you know. And there are so many people I think who are feeling lost, but I actually feel kind of, in a funny sort of way, I feel right at home. You know, I feel quite, um, quite at home with this level of emergency you know like I like kind of I, I much prefer this this kind of drama than sort of office politics or you know that kind of stuff I can't get a grip on at all but this kind of
0: you know do or die kind of thing I'm, I'm good with that You know, it's immediacy. You're driven by immediacy and that kind of incredible focus that comes with things needing to happen in that moment. So I guess I mean, do you want to talk about what happened with your partner or do you want to go there? Um yeah, I don't know how much, how helpful it'll be. Um,
1: it was a nine year relationship, and I think for quite a percentage of that, he was cheating. Okay. Um, and um, more to the point, he was kind of denying a close relationship with me and then having it with strangers instead. Um, so that's kind of the bit that makes it quite traumatic. Um, and, um, last year, which was the worst year for the cheating, um, I underwent a hysterectomy. Um, and then, um, possibly as a result of that, possibly as a result of just a lifetime of overwork and dehydration and all sorts of things. Um, I've ended up with a chronic, um, disorder, a migraine disorder, which is called vestibular migraine, um, which means that I have bells ringing in my ears pretty much all the time and um, and huge dizzy, well, dizzy spells that go for days at a time, that kind of thing. Um, so having, having that kind of turn up um, and having to manage that um, was a very lonely experience in an unhappy relationship.
0: Right. And so is there a way of treating vestibular, what is it called, vestibular? Vestibular migraine. Migraine, right. Is there a way of managing or controlling it or it's something you have to learn to live with? Well, nobody really can tell me.
1: Um, so it really is, at the end of the day, it's kind of up to you, you know, like I've, I've done a lot of research and I've joined, you know, Facebook groups with other people all around the world with it and, you know, and I've learned a certain amount. You know, a lot of it is diet. I found a lot of it is dehydration. I go through now, you know, say four hydrolyte tablets a day, and that seems to keep it at bay. You know, stupid things like lots of vitamin B and riboflavin, I find if I take that every day, it keeps it to a minimum. You know, I've really, I've uncovered some really, some things that didn't you know, if I was in my twenties it probably wouldn't matter that I'm low in riboflavin or whatever, you know, but but you know, once you especially after you've been through a hysterectomy and your your body goes through that massive kind of, you know, physical trauma mm. um, yeah, you find that you've probably been low in magnesium your entire life. And it's only now that your body's saying, Yeah, no <laughs> you know, not gonna nice. do this anymore you know. Okay. So, um yeah, but there's really no definitive – you can't just go to the doctor and they say, well, you've got a VM, so you take this and then off you go. You know, there's just no – um, to be honest, when it first came on, it's very, very sudden when it comes on. And I thought I was having a stroke. And actually somebody else in our, in our travel writing community um, got in touch with me while she was overseas um, because she thought she was having a stroke. But because I'd been really um, open and public about what I'd been going through with my migraine, she got in touch and said, is this what you have? And I said, it really sounds like it. And she was in tears because she really thought she was over on the other side of the world having a stroke.
0: Ah. Okay. Right. God, thank God for the internet. So, <laughs> it's okay. So you've got a lot happening. You've got this happening. You've got a really busy job. You've kind of adapting to life as a single solo parent. Um, what have been the hardest bits of the transition? Like, obviously that's a lot of things at once. Um, what's been the hardest part?
1: This is hard, honestly. If I'd known it was this hard, I would have had a shot of vodka before we started talking. Um, I think, um, which, by the way, I couldn't drink for months and months and months with this migraine. Um, (laughs) um, I think the hardest thing, honestly, is to keep an even keel, you know, because my daughter is around most of the time. Um, So I need to compartmentalise
0: Okay, so how are there sort of some strategies you're using? Are you seeing a counselor? Are you are there like with your self care um, practices? Is there anything you're doing? Because obviously you've got to keep it together for a kid. Um, And when you when she's not at home, you're working a lot. But there's going to be times when you're going to have to grieve. Like you have to create that space for grief and loss and How have you, have you got anything set up to assist with that? Like, have you got some practices that might help with that?
1: Um, I actually, I listened to an ebook that was hugely useful. Um, again, kind of just keeping the noise going. So I wasn't alone with my thoughts in the first you know, particularly the first month, um, and I started listening to. Actually, it's kind of like your the shit show. It's kind of a bit like that. What's it called? Um, when things fall apart. It's not quite as you know, <laughs> but it's called when things fall apart, which is by the um, Pema Chodron, who's the Buddhist nun. Yeah, and um, and it's all about honestly the Buddhist. This is the kind of thing that really, again, because I'm older and wiser, it appeals to me. But in, in my 20s, I probably would have said, no, well, no, I'm not just going to deal with the fact that things are shit, you know. Like I'm just, you know, I want to fix things. And, but the Buddhist way, you know, according to this this ebook, you know, was that um, sometimes you should accept that things are shit, you know, and, and there's a wonderful um, peace in accepting that life is pain and life is shit you know, there's, because then you don't have to run off and fix it. You don't have to, you know, it's not your fault and it's not, you know, you don't, you need to let go of that feeling, that, that crusade of trying to fix things. And just sometimes life is shit and you should embrace the shitness of it. <laughs> well, that's what yes. I got from it anyway, you know. Yeah. And specifically, you know, she, she talked about, um, you know, embracing pain and not in a weird, you know, BDSM way, but in a, <laughs> you know, a, a realisation that, you know, when you feel pain, it makes you a better person.
0: Well, it's also allowing yourself to feel that pain because I feel that if you delay it, it's still there. It's still there. So you're going to have to feel it at some point. It's sharp, though. You know, sometimes it's too sharp
1: to deal with. You know, and and it has been what four months. You know, and I am now just starting to let it peek in every now and then, you know, but if you do compartmentalise, I don't think it's entirely unhealthy. I think that, you know, as long as you allow it to come in when you're, when you feel ready, you know, when you have a moment, you go, all right, okay. Um, I I give myself 15 minutes on on my commute when, you know, well, before we all started working at home, um, you know, to have a little
0: cry and listen to songs and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's really healthy. I remember when I broke up with my first boyfriend, like my f- my first love. I cried every day from um, Gleed to Silverwater on Parramatta Road, which would make anyone want to cry. Let's face it. But every day I would cry all the way to work and all the way home from work, <laughs> every day for a year. Oh my god! Oh my god! How old were you? I was twenty-five or twenty-four actually. But like, I don't know. I'd never experienced.
1: Yeah <laughs> I don't know. But maybe it's just Parramatta Road. I, there's a specific there's an intersection near kid stuff in Camperdown and that's when I'm like, Okay, I can have a little cry now. I've got at least a good five minutes in traffic, so you know, I'm good to go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you need to allow it um, because I just think if you don't allow it, it will come and bite you in the ass later when you don't expect it. Uh, And it's still early days. It's still really early days. It's so, it's kind of, you're in the midst of a crisis, essentially, like of of having to adapt and and it, there's that whole process of having to reimagine your future when you've kind of imagined a future. And I mean, the future's all imaginary, right? So, like, to reimagine a future, a freak. I don't want to hear that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess most control freaks have a pretty clear idea of what they want the future to look like, um, and having to reimagine that where you have to really shift some things around that you didn't want to shift around. Um, that's really hard. So I guess, yeah, I guess I'm interested in kind of where to from here for you. Like you're sort of, it's still early. So where do you see yourself in sort of six months time? Like, are you in a happy place in terms of where you're living? Are things pretty good with your kid? Are you talking to your ex? Yeah, but I think um,
1: I've, I've sort of figured out a few things about what has led to my ex's behaviour. I think there's a bit of narcissism and things there. He's not, he doesn't grasp reality the way, you know, and now that I see it, I can't unsee it, you know what I mean? And I think, oh, why didn't I really see that earlier? But, you know, um, but so I need to kind of keep at arm's length from kind of being enveloped in his weird... Alternate reality, you know <laughs> um, and and just hope that he doesn 't envelop our child you know but um, i don 't know it's it 's kind of a weird little cross hash at the moment, like a little cross mesh of, of worlds, you know, there's, there's kind of the, the sadness is still there. So sort of, if you imagine, you know, a woven cloth, you know, and, and the, the, the threads that go one way are kind of old life and the, you know, and sadness and, and hurt and all those things. But, you know, now I'm sort of seeing the other threads going the other way, you know, I, I sort of, every now and then I get these kind of peaks of, um, feeling great, you know, and being so happy that I'm alone, you know, every night without snoring. Oh my God, it's fantastic. You know, and, um, just, you know, having a real girl's household, you know, we've got me and my daughter and two girl cats and we're just all girly and, you know, and, um, I don't know, we're going through a huge star Wars phase at the moment and she can't wait to see Ray and princess Leia, And, you know, like, it's all just really, I don't know. It's, it's, a place that we couldn't be without having gone through that trauma.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's not wrong to enjoy that. Like sometimes you can kind of think, Oh, well, we should, should, we're supposed to be sad right now. Like, but sometimes you're just not sad. (laughs) Sometimes you things like the lack of snoring, like that is a huge thing. You are going to sleep better for hopefully the rest of your life. (laughs)
1: except my child won't sleep in her bed so I've got one cat on each foot and then I've got her feet planted on my butt so I don't know it's actually <laughs> I'm still sleeping. it's a different kind of bad sleep <laughs> I mean it's super cute it's much cuter than the snoring but you know I um I'm, I just want some sleep damn yeah. it <laughs> Can I can't get anything um So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the question about six months time is, um, I don't know. I mean, I say that I'm a control freak, but I, you know, I do, I welcome this level of kind of cataclysm that's happening, not only in my life, but in everybody's life. You know, the, the, um, I I kind of like that there's unknown coming, you know, in a, in a, I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible what we're all going through. And I hate there's going to be, you know, suffering and people are going to lose money and, you know, it's going to be a a, a huge cataclysm, but um, little, little rays of light, like the, the satellite map of China before coronavirus and after coronavirus you know while everybody's in lockdown and the pollution has has dissipated over China you know and it's like the the planet is taking a little deep breath you know and you've got to see those little those little bits of happiness in a you know and those bits of potential and hope in a you know even in a huge cataclysm like
0: we are currently entering you know and that is you said you always can see the sunny side of things and like by default you can't change this default setting that you have towards optimism and sometimes drastic things have to happen and I remember when my life went seriously to shit um there's this thing that it's actually a Chinese sort of philosophy um the Chinese are really really good at adapting very quickly so if if you have like you know cultural revolution obviously very bad but they've had many Many wars and many, many situations where basically, if you can imagine, everything's been burnt down. So the Chinese like mentality that I, as I understand it, is that, okay, don't focus on the fact that it's been burnt down. This has happened before. It will happen again. Just build it better. Like, so like, there's no point sitting around wondering what to do. Get to work, get to work and build it better. So I love that.
1: And yeah, so I and kind and of and think- also- and you won't have the strength to build it better if you hadn't gone through and come out the other side you know a terrible, a terrible disaster or a terrible cataclysm you know that's and again it goes back to that you know that Buddhist thing that you know it makes you a better person and a stronger person you know a more I hate to say i'm a more worthwhile person, but there it is you know having having gone through trauma, you've got more resilience and more idea perhaps of where you're going and what you can do what you can achieve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess, is there anything you'd currently like to promote? What are you working on at the moment? What would you like everybody, all the listeners at home who currently have nowhere to be, um, what should they be doing to support? Now that I've aired all my, my dirty laundry, I feel like, is it too late to be anonymous? <laughs> you can be anonymous. Um, you know, I, I feel like the things that you've mentioned are like certainly not universal in terms of the workplace PTSD and the VM. But, like, a cheating partner, like, you know, it's somewhat universal.
1: Yeah, I know. But, you know what, going through all of that, the the thing that has amazed me is the power of women, the power of women. Honestly, I, you know, I'm in a a fairly famous group for sometimes being a bit overly political. But, you know, I mean, for example, on Facebook, I'm in the Inner West Mums. Yeah. yeah. And um and I asked, you know, when when this happened I have as you may have noticed I can't help but you know, say what's happening to me. As I say, I've also got an honesty disorder, you know, like I I do. I share because I always feel like when you're going through something and you share it, it can help somebody else, you know. And and I don't see any reason not to, you know, to be secretive and not to share. So I, I shared when I first had this breakup, you know, and I said, look, does anyone have any advice as to what I do first and all that kind of stuff because I know other people have gone through it. And um, and my my Facebook messaging just lit up with strangers, just strangers. Uh, half of whom have become my personal friends. Um, one of them, um, she's a, a mum at the same school as um, as mine and we ended up spending christmas day together going to the movies you know in the afternoon it was just nice to have something to do
0: you know yeah yeah okay so um you've discovered this whole world of people who like love you women 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 are incredible
1: women just working working for each other and holding each other up and you know i i've just been so impressed okay so is
0: there anything you need help with is there anything people could continue helping me with at this (laughs) stage or or just you're just gonna keep going until you see what else happens in the next six months
1: yeah I'm just gonna keep going um you know I'm I'm funnily enough I'm thinking about a new um you know podcast or something you know just to um you know love in the time of coronavirus perhaps you know I don't know it's just I don't Mind the idea of the world slowing down a little bit and just, I don't know, reconnecting with my, my creative inners and, and seeing what comes out. But in the meantime, I'll, I'll edit my travel magazine that, you know, is very easy to find out, but shall remain nameless for the... <laughs>
0: So I think you should definitely make a podcast you have the most beautiful voice and you're so articulate I just yeah do it I can, I can put you in touch with the lady who's helping me I think you should absolutely do it no I have
1: actually made podcasts before and I may again and I'll tell you a, a terrible secret I used to do voiceover for the adult channel <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like in the world of dating, that's going to come in really handy.
1: (laughs) Watch out, Juan Carlos comes and cleans the pool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good to bring out at parties. well I think that's gold and I think you should definitely start a podcast and do it in the next couple of weeks so that I can plug it like seriously I want to plug it on this podcast like so that we can get more people to listen to your podcast like you know of the five people who listen to my podcast (laughs) well there you go
1: I'll plug my voiceover services but you know no weird assignments after that little sample thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool babe all right well um I'll let you get on with your day but thank you so much I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and yeah just I know I know how hard it is I like I'm not exactly but I do have some inkling of how hard it is and I think you're doing really well. Thank you yeah you're doing really well <laughs> <laughs> No honestly it's um yeah you're doing great okay so I can't wait to see you soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to That Shit Show. If you like what you've heard, head to the Facebook page or the website for more information. It's thatchitshowpodcast.com. You'll find show notes and more episodes to download. Thanks so much for joining me.